Welcome to the Forward 40 Podcast, where we highlight the experiences of 40 women of color on the rise in the nonprofit and social enterprise sectors. This is an ode to our foremothers, a healing circle of our unique experiences, and a bridge of insight and wisdom across generations. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Forward 40. Very excited for the guest that we have today, Isabel Coronado. Um, she is, she just schooled me on this. She's an Okie, meaning she is from Oklahoma, uh, and she's here in New York City, and she's just all around amazing. And I'm just going to read um, something that she posted on Twitter that I feel encapsulates her and the work that she is doing. She says, I'm tired that policy leaves out indigenous people. I'm tired that mass incarceration is still impacting my community. That is why I uprooted my life from Oklahoma to join a think tank in NYC to stop saying I'm tired and start putting my ass to work. So thank you, Isabel, for putting your fatigue uh, and your tiredness into action. Um, and thank you for being here with us. Thank you so much. Um, so can you tell us more about just your journey and what brought you here to New York? Yes. So my journey started um, when I was, of course, seven years old with a really traumatic event that happened in my life. Um, at seven, I was heading to daycare when policemen jumped out at me and my mother and made us halt, um, started saying that she was under arrest, and proceeded to take us back to our home where they raided our house and um, were very violent with my mom, all while I was sitting right next to her. Um, and through that traumatic experience, um, then proceeded with her serving two years in state prison, where I was then living with my grandmother, who I'm very grateful for because she was an amazing caregiver. Mm -hmm. And I know for other children of incarcerated parents, um, they're often left in the foster care system. Mm -hmm. uh, so following my mom's stint in state prison, she came out with a new perspective and decided to make two things her priority. And that was her education and putting me first. And she did exactly that by continuing her education out of prison, going to law school, and serving as a reentry attorney for our tribe. Hmm. And of course, that transferred um, to my life and then made education my priority. So when I was uh, completing my master's degree, I was concurrently working for an organization called Southern Plains Tribal Health Board, who was then putting on a program um, called the American Indian Criminal Justice Navigation Council. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Yes. <laughs> and that program was to help formerly incarcerated individuals equip their knowledge um, around the justice system, no uh, legal jargon. Um, a flow chart of a case, hmm. key players in the justice system, mm -hmm. so they can then be um, 
then help other incarcerated people mm-hmm. um, because what we were seeing is that people were taking plea deals that mm-hmm. um, they didn't understand. And so mm-hmm. this was helping them become active participants in their case. Mm-hmm. Um, but something that I was realizing and through my own experience is that we also weren't thinking about the children or the families or even the greater community and how incarceration really impacts the whole ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So we started to look at those impacts um, which led to like my my deep rooted advocacy for children of incarcerated parents. So fast forward, I was graduating and looking to get out of Oklahoma um, and to try a new adventure. And that's when I heard about the Next One Hundred, which is a pop up think tank for the next generation of policy leaders. And we're here for two years working on. Um, in different areas such as education, climate, immigration, uh, labor, and of course criminal justice mm-hmm, reform. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really excited to see the work we get to do in the next two years. Very nice, very nice. Um, I commend your mom uh, for just being able to be resilient in returning back to the community and to excel in her education and then serve as a model for you and your journey. Um, it reminds me, we didn't even talk about this, but um, just reminds me of like how my mother was able to set the example for me because while my mother is single parent, mm-hmm. similar to you, um, while she thankfully didn't serve um, time in uh, in prison or wasn't wasn't incarcerated, uh, there was a lot of time that was taken away from just having that, you know, like mom or dad or whatever parent like home. So my grandparents actually served as like pretty much like my parents as well. In addition to, in addition to my mother and she actually just finished her bachelor's degree last year. Um, so Cheers to, (laughs) you know, uh, to parents who may think that, you know, their journey is over um, and may question, you know, if they can continue on with, you know, just advancement in their goals. You know, I commend both of our mothers for being able to serve as great role models for us. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Um, So, in your work now here at Next 100 as a policy entrepreneur, and I just love having a master's in urban policy and then being entre- entrepreneur myself. I'm just like, yes, bo- both words, like every everything. Um, it's just so jazzy. Um, it speaks to my spirit. Um, where, in, in terms of your work, what are you hoping to um, to work on? And then where do you see yourself uh, at the end of you know the two years, what, what are you hoping that you would have accomplished or wanted to in the work? Yeah, so what I'm here to do is, um, and my core mission is to bring visibility to the uh, mass incarceration of indigenous people as well as the children of incarcerated parents. But also, I don't want to even just say the visibility and awareness piece. Like, I actually want to find solution, hmm. and act on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I even after this crazy experiment, I want to continue doing that after here. Um, but specifically, I don't really have a place that um, I know I'm going to be at after mm-hmm. here. I've just been very focused on 
what's happening tomorrow. That's really going to be impactful and mm-hmm. um, meaningful. And have you found that there are any trends with like the incarceration rate? Cause I know that, you know, you know, you've really been like homegrown, um, advocacy for indigenous people um, in the native community in Oklahoma. Have you seen any trends um, like in other pockets of the country that are similar in terms of uh, mass incarceration? Definitely. Um, Yes. So this is an issue not even just impacting Oklahoma. Like this is an issue that's impacting the nation. Um, Mass incarceration, as we know, Mm -hmm. is happening in America because we are using like these punitive measures to um, for people in whatever they they've done so um, although yes I've been very focused on Oklahoma like I've seen this in Arizona and California and like all these other places that do have like a heavy um, Mm -hmm. uh, Native American population got it okay so I think that's also another reason why we lack the data is because Mm -hmm. we don't always find um, Native people everywhere um, so spread out in the Mm -hmm. US there are very dense populations Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. spread out uh, Interesting. So I think that's been a lot of my issue is bringing this visibility to the front, and that is not. Um, like it's not just Oklahoma. It's not just Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So I saw a piece that you wrote about native the native youth vote and uh, how the community at large is kind of left at the margins in terms of politics and also policy. Um, And as we brace ourselves (laughs) for the outcome of this presidential election year, uh, what are you hoping to see addressed and or implemented in the next four years? Like you said, bracing ourselves. (laughs) Exactly. How is it going to turn out? I choose to be optimistic. Great. And really put out into the universe what I want to see in the next four years. And that's serious criminal justice reform that involves everybody. Um, That's the the federal government seeing tribes as truly sovereign Mm -hmm. nations and giving back those rights. Um, And also the continued fight for missing and indigenous indigenous women and girls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, um, I was, when we spoke, and then also I saw, like, there was a write-up that you had about um, just kind of, like, the state of missing Indigenous women and girls, um, and also just the level of assault um, that's also on the population, and it made me think about um, the missing Black women and girls. Um, Like, it is a crisis that does not get a lot of attention, Mm -hmm. Um, and I was just shocked at the data that um, you you reported, but then you also spoke to. And um, I guess for those that are unfamiliar with the state of what is existing um, and happening within um, the Native community as it relates to Indigenous um, women and girls, can you speak more to that? And then also, have you seen any progress being made um, to rectify um just the assault the overlook um and also um the underreporting yeah so to get to your first question on what is the gravity of this Mm -hmm, issue mm -hmm. and it's you know not even just missing and murdered but 
assault and um, all these things that we're having on our women. But specifically, what I wanted to quote is that Native women and girls are murdered at 10 times the rate of any other ethnicity. Wow. And only 5% of that ever makes it to like the national news. Oh, my goodness. It's so... Um, I f- wow. feel like invisible to what everyday people see and hear about. Um, but I know there's so many incredible people in Indian country that are devoted to this issue. Um, some Where I got that data from mm. was from the Urban Indian Health Institute. They had a really informative report um, that came out like last year um, or the year before and I would encourage people to go look at that report and really understand like this issue is so much bigger than what we think Mm -hmm. and what they're telling us Mm -hmm. Um, but there's hope Mm -hmm. (laughs) and two things that I've seen recently is the Trump administration did just um launch a task force for this issue. Oh, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And the uh, Department of Justice um, announced it, like, not that long ago. Wow. Very recently. And then just today I saw, um, since I follow a lot of the Oklahoma legislator, um, that they are also looking at bills and even training their police force Mm. on cultural sensitivity and Mm. awareness and how to uh, interact with this. Mm. Well, thank you for that. And I guess cheers to progress. Um, I definitely wouldn't have expected that that progress would have (laughs) happened and take place under, yeah, the current administration. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Now, I, with, with this platform being about the experiences and resilience and just sheer phenom of <laughs> women of color i i have found that whether it is in the policy spaces um in entrepreneurship nonprofit sector we may be either the only or one of very few so um in your experience either being the only or one of very few what is it that you have tapped into to still push your agenda forward? You know, you're you're so right, and that's something that I was um, thinking about earlier. Uh, and I don't know if it's a, a woman or being a woman of color, but I just feel like when I'm in these areas, I always have to talk about race mm-hmm. and, and, like, the issues within my race mm-hmm. and bringing that just to the forefront of the table mm-hmm. before I can even get to my policy mm. um, agenda. You can say that <laughs> again. <laughs> and, you know, that's that's an issue I'm still working. Like, I'm only 24 years old. Like, I only have so much experience. But something that I've noticed is I've let my passion drive it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like my pa- passion outweighs those fears in my mm-hmm. head that I'm telling myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was just having a conversation with someone this week, I can't even recall who it was, but um, just letting them know that in the existence of this world, not saying that it's, it is what it is. Like it's the, the end all be all because after this life, it's not like we're taking any of this stuff with us, you know, race and and sex and gender. Um, But as you enter a room, uh, 
and you're not amongst those that look like you, the first thing that's going to resonate is an othering. And that othering for me has been, before you can see me as a woman, you're going to see me as a black woman. And maybe you don't know the depth of, okay, well, what what is that? But again, like you, like you said, um, like race comes up constantly, uh, to the point that sometimes it is tiring, um, either feeling like you have to educate, um, (laughs) re-educate, you know, like you're, you're on your own journey to learn more about yourself, your culture, your history, um, the past that is now informing the present. So thank you for that. Like drawing on the, your passion, um, to, to just push the agenda, um, and to chart forward. Uh, you mentioned a quote to me when we were speaking before uh, that may or may not be your tea affirmation. And uh, you said, what someone says about you is none of your business. And I, you know, I let it play over and I'm like, what someone says about you is none of your business. I'm like, mm, well, what if it's a compliment? <laughs> Um, good or bad, you know? So I, I just wanted to know if you could elaborate on that. And I guess, especially in this age of, um, like crowd appeal on social media and, um, just like the, the, the trendiness of pushing an agenda or a cause, um, I guess like, how do you balance that crowd appeal, the likes, the, you know, um, the the support the groundswell support I guess within within that quote of it's none of your business <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you make a good point um, but I I I think of that quote more in the negative scheme hmm. um, when people do have negative things um, and I'm not talking about constructive criticism because we all can take constructive criticism but just that other mm-hmm. other just things that can just weigh you down with mm-hmm. all the self doubt and um, like lower your confidence. I've, I really drawn the, on that quote when I'm going through those times mm. because I feel like what other people think of you really shouldn't be any of your business. Like you just want to be a nosy person mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. wanting to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the social media area, like that's the whole essence of social media is the likes, the comments, the mm-hmm, judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, can, it gets very difficult not wanting that approval from others, but yeah. I don't like that's not what life's about. Correct. That's not Correct. why I do this work mm-hmm. for you to like me I do this work because it's something that's impacted me, and I know I, I don't want it to impact anybody else. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Great point. Um, you also mentioned um, when we spoke just about like. Um, Something that is is not factored in is kind of like the impact of the children of incarcerated parents, and um, you like you had mentioned uh, teen pregnancy and just kind of like a continuous cycle of of poverty um, and reimagining the the work and and the reform. What would you like to see? more um support and um uh I, I would even say like policy change for the children yes so that's exactly what i'm working on here so check back when those are out but 
just to get to that, your question, um, I see so many different policy solutions, and they're all so intersectional, like at the health, at, in education, mm-hmm. in um, jobs, in mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many things that we don't talk about when it comes to the children of incarcerated parents. Mm-hmm. They're very much siloed off or yeah. they're thought of as the collateral consequence of their parents. Mm-hmm. And so that's something I want to get away from, that we're not just the collateral consequence of our parents' uh, decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, we're our own people, our own human mm-hmm. beings that have to grow up um, with this stigma as well. And uh, quite honestly, like it felt like a shared sentence. Mm-hmm. Um so a few, like you just said, in teen parenting, I know children of incarcerated parents are two times more likely to become a teen parent. Wow. Um, and, you know, that continues that cycle of poverty, mm-hmm. which also has a factor in incarceration. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about policy solutions, I think about having more access to contraception and control over uh, our bodies and mm-hmm. abortion rights, like all these play a factor into living our successful lives. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that. Because um, it's definitely um, not something that, you know, I have even found just kind of like at the forefront of um just discourse around justice reform. Like you think like, okay, well, what is it that needs to be in place for this person to re-enter into society, um, for them to have a great quality of life? And then you're thinking of that person as an individual, and then it's like the impact on the community, and you don't really hear too much about the impact uh, on on the children. So thank you again for the work that you're doing, how you've been able to turn trauma and pain into this passion uh, to not only um, recover from what you experience, but to be that voice for, for others that are experiencing it now and may unfortunately encounter it um, in their lifetime. Um, So, Isabel, we close with the tea affirmation. uh, And I wanted to know, what would be your tea affirmation for our time together? I have to go ahead and say it. (laughs) (laughs) Other people think of you is none of your business. (laughs) Well, there's that. (laughs) Um, And I hope that that actually... um, inspires people to really reset and take a break from just the noise. Yeah. Um, the noise that is um, external, whether it be in the media, social media, it's just you need to be whole with yourself. And um, when that negativity is there, it, it, it isn't <laughs> any of your business. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much, Isabel, for all that you're doing. And I guess for those that are curious about how they can stay connected to just the, the shared journeys of your fellow colleagues at Next 100, how would they be able to stay linked in with that? So you can go to www.thenext100.org. Um, also, we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and then also you can find our own individual Twitter accounts where we put all the articles and research stuff that we put out. You can follow me at my Twitter um at Graduate Isabel, um, and you can follow up and see what cool stuff I'm up to next. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I look forward to it. Until we connect again, 
Sip, sis, say la, share, and continue to serve.